Chapter 25, A New Course No! Why did it have to be Ms. Winkle? Why couldn't it have been McGuckin? Who was it that attacked her? Nix asked. Beryl shrugged. I don't think they know. Once they were outside, Beryl asked, Who was that old guy that was looking in everybody's lockers? Security guard and janitor? McGuckin hired him last year after some students had a knife fight. Nick scanned the grounds for Jordan or Tiago. I thought he was some homeless guy. Hey, Nix, I brought you something. Jordan stepped out of a tiny white car and held up a half-melted ice cream cone. Beryl stepped in front of Nix, blocking her view of Jordan. So, do you want to come to my house tonight and practice your song some more? My dad's cooking steaks. I can't today, but we'll do something soon, okay? Beryl blew a raspberry and trudged toward the gym. Poor girl had even fewer friends than Nix did. Unfortunately, there was no time to soothe her hurt feelings. Nix whispered a heartfelt sorry and hurried over to Leo's car. I had to keep you from dripping everywhere, Jordan said. You don't mind my germs, do you? Nix took the sticky cone from him. Thanks, Jordy. Buenas tardes, Nix. Tiago slid across the hood of the car, and from the broad grin on his face, a certain blonde had agreed to audition. The ice cream dripped onto Nix's fingers. She resisted the urge to lick. She would not be seen stuffing her face in front of Tiago. Where's Sarah? she asked. We dropped her off at the south building so she wouldn't be late, Tiago said. But she said she'd try out. Jordan took another lick of Nix's cone. Claims she couldn't sing, but Tiago batted his eyelashes and Sarah fell apart. Whatever, Tio. Miss Winkle's in the hospital, Nick said, unable to hold it in any longer. And I think we should go see her to make sure she's okay. What happened? Jordan asked. Beryl said she got beat up by drug dealers. Saying it out loud, Nix realized she sounded just like her mother. Maybe Mrs. Wack's wild gang theories weren't paranoid delusions after all. Beryl like stool pigeon Beryl? Jordan asked. Since when are you on speaking terms? Since ten minutes ago? Do you think if you called your dad, he could take us to Midland? And ditch the last three periods? He'd probably ground me just for asking. Why can't we go after school? Will you be able to concentrate in class? Ms. Winkle could be dying. And anyway, you're grounded. It's now or never. Leo could take us, Tiago said. He stuck his head into the car. Jordan took Nix's cone back and finished it in two large bites. Nix glanced around. She didn't see any teachers, but a few older girls were staring at the white car as if they'd like to introduce themselves to the driver. Whatever we're doing, we'd better hurry, Nix muttered to Jordan. Class is starting soon. Tiago opened the passenger door. Leo says it's fine as long as we don't stay too long. He's got a date at five. When Nix slid into the back seat and saw Tiago's brother, she felt a pang of envy for whoever the girl was. The fact that Leo was almost as handsome as Tiago and didn't drive anything like Chuck made the trip to the hospital almost enjoyable. With the amazing scenery inside the car, Nix almost forgot they were driving at all. Tiago's brother dropped them off at the emergency room entrance with the promise to pick them up in an hour. Where's he going? Nix asked after Leo sped off. Probably to the mall, Tiago said. He shops more than a girl. Nix raised her eyebrows and Tiago smiled. No offense, he said. I know you're not one of those girls. Warmth pulsed through Nix. Tiago Padilla thought she was different from other girls? It wasn't a marriage proposal, but it made Nix feel ten pounds lighter. They found Ms. Winkle without much difficulty. Only one nurse seemed suspicious about three fifteen-year-olds out of school on a weekday. Jordan made things worse by informing her that age discrimination was against the law. She had picked up the phone, probably to call someone who knew how to handle punk kids, when Tiago turned on the charm. He gushed about how much Ms. Winkle meant to them, and how a brief visit was the least any student could do for such an amazing teacher. After that, the nurse practically fell over herself to get them to Ms. Winkle's room. 
Nix entered first and found the teacher sitting up in a bed reading a romance novel with some sort of barbarian muscle man on the cover. What in the world are you doing here? Ms. Winkle slid the book under her pillow. Although she seemed surprised, there was no accusation in her voice. We wanted to see if you were okay, Nix said. Just let me know if you need anything else, the nurse said from the hall. Okay, thanks, Julia. Tiago flashed a dazzling smile and closed the door. Ms. Winkle's eyes moved from Nix to the boys. Let me guess, your parents don't know you're here. That's not important, Jordan said. What's important is when you're coming back, because the leading cause of death among students is psychovice principles. Well, you should be safe a little longer. Mr. McGuckin won't be taking over for me. I think subbing for home economics didn't fit the persona he's trying to create. Who's going to take your class, then? Nix asked. Principal Weatherwax, I'll be back in a few days. So you're okay, then? Nix asked. Other than her enormous hair being a little flat on one side, Ms. Winkle didn't look any different than she had yesterday. I'm well enough, she said. Now, who did you hoodwink into giving you a ride down here? That's not important, Jordan said. What is important is how you ended up in the hospital. Nix was glad someone finally asked what they'd all been dying to know. Ms. Winkle sat silently for a moment, as if deciding how much to tell them. She adjusted the needle taped to the back of her hand. It was my own fault, really. I was headed to the car and saw a group of kids behind one of the buildings. It was dark, but I could see they were smoking. Of course, I barreled back there and tried to give them an inspirational message on making smart decisions. They didn't say much, but I got the idea they didn't appreciate the gesture. Nix clutched the bed rail. She wanted to ask what they did to her, but decided it would be rude. Did you recognize any of them? Did the police catch them? The teacher shook her head. I couldn't see much, but a few of them had to be college age. The police found drug paraphernalia, but nothing to identify the kids. The door opened, and an attractive male nurse entered wearing neon green scrubs. His ID badge said Brian. Time to change the bandage, Brian said, as if there could be nothing more fun in the world. You kids better clear out. Can't they stay? Ms. Winkle asked. They're my first visitors, and I'm going a little stir-crazy. Did you pull on your IV again? I adjusted it, Ms. Winkle said with dignity. I find reduced penetration sometimes improves the flow. We do it like they taught us, Brian said, and patients aren't supposed to touch the machines either. You've been messing with the heart monitor, haven't you? Ms. Winkle didn't look the least bit abashed. I simply turned off the audio. That blasted beeping was distracting me from my book. Dee, I don't care how many years of medical school you've taken. I had my own practice for five years, I'll have you know. Ms. Winkle leaned over and whispered to Nix. I'm trying to figure out what school he graduated from so I can poke fun of it. He said it was Harvard, but I happen to know Harvard doesn't have a nursing program. Nix could tell Ms. Winkle enjoyed these little debates with Brian, not that Nix blamed her. The guy was well-built with sandy brown hair and startling green eyes. On another table, Brian prepared gauze and tape. Please try not to touch the matches. I'll get in trouble. Just for you, but I'm not making any promises for the blonde nurse with the cold hands. Brian breathed on his hands and rubbed them together before gently lifting up Ms. Winkle's shirt. Jordan and Tiago quickly turned their heads, but Brian only exposed a large white bandage on her side. It occurred to Nix that it might be rude to watch this private moment, but she couldn't bear to pull her eyes away. A second later, Nix wished she had. Brian pulled off the old bandage to reveal a purplish-yellow bruise the size of a football, sewn together with a long, jagged line of stitches. Nix felt a sudden urge to find every one of those trespassing kids and make their sides look like that. Who could do such a thing, especially to someone like Ms. Winkle? Looking better, Brian said. At least the swelling's gone down. Looking better? Nix couldn't imagine it looking much worse. Did you have surgery? She asked in a reverent tone. 
When the rib broke, it punctured my liver, Ms. Winkle said, as if relating a gravy recipe. Not a very pretty scar, Brian said. They had to get in quick and stop the bleeding. Nix's knees turned to jelly, and her stomach felt like it had fallen a few inches in her abdomen. How hard would you have to kick someone to send a rib into their internal organs? Tiago's breathing grew labored. He stood and walked to the window. Jordan was the only one that seemed unaffected. Why would you go barging in like that? He asked Ms. Winkle in a voice reminiscent of his father. Why didn't you call the police? Nix gave Jordan a shut-up look. Ms. Winkle held the bandage for Brian to tape on. I've seen too many kids throw their lives away. Most didn't even understand the dangers of what they're doing. Jordan scoffed. Kids like that don't listen to advice. You should know that by now. Nix wanted to crawl under the bed. Why was Jordan being so rude? The woman had been through enough. So what if she was a little naive? Regardless of how likely they were to listen, Ms. Winkle said, I decided to try it. Maybe one of them will feel bad enough about what they did and change his life course. Jordan didn't roll his eyes, but he might as well have. His body language made it very clear what he thought of Ms. Winkle's generosity toward her attackers. Nix began to wonder if maybe Ms. Winkle had recognized some of the kids after all and was simply trying to save their souls. Tiago adjusted his watch. Their hour was probably about up. Despite everything on her mind, Nix couldn't help noticing how the sunlight from the window made Tiago's skin glow in a distinctly angelic way. By the way, Jordan said, do you have a brother that used to be a cop in Woods Cross? Ms. Winkle looked startled. What? Why? My dad said you looked like someone he worked with. Ms. Winkle seemed like she was trying to smile but couldn't quite make it. Yes, my twin brother Sandy was on the force. He died a few years back. Nick shot a look at Jordan. Real tasteful. Next, he could ask about her dead pets and childhood trauma. All done, Brian said. Some of his enthusiasm dampened with the weight of conversation. Ready for your breathing exercises? Oh no, Ms. Winkle said. That's three times already. D, you don't want to get pneumonia. If you don't keep breathing deeply. I know, I know. Let's get it over with. She grabbed the pillow and held it to her chest. Any time, Brian said. Don't rush me. Ms. Winkle looked straight ahead and took a slow, deep breath. Tears sprang to her eyes. Once more, hold the pillow tight. Ms. Winkle shook her head, but took another strangled breath. Tiago played with the blinds, and Jordan stared at his feet. But Nix couldn't even blink. She watched Ms. Winkle release the wet pillow. All at once, Nix didn't think Ms. Winkle was naive or silly. She was brilliant. Her vision of an ideal woods cross seared itself in Nix's mind like the image of a sun burned into a retina, drying up all the tendrils of selfishness and pessimism, filling her entire body with something that felt like liquid heat. This was her town. Whatever anyone else chose to do, Nix couldn't let it go without a fight. Yeah, she'd start by making Woods Cross safe for Sarah, but she wouldn't end there. It was time she stopped worrying about stupid things like popularity and hot boys and starting acting like a Woods Crossian. The three truants waited another hour on the curb before Leandro finally showed up, the entire back seat of the car filled with shopping bags. The nice thing was that the oversized bags on her lap prevented Nix from seeing out the window, so she was almost able to pretend they weren't driving at all. By the time they got back to Woods Cross, there was no point in returning to school for the last ten minutes. Leandro deposited Nix a block from the trailer park to avoid arousing any unnecessary questions from her mother. Nix knocked on the car window. Don't forget, we're meeting early tomorrow to practice our songs. Jordan groaned, but Tiago nodded and rolled down the window. I'll let Sarah know. She gave me her number. He held up his cell phone, like a trophy. Nix reminded herself it was her own idea to have Tiago charm Sarah into the musical. There was no reason to be irritated that they were getting along so well. It wasn't until Nix opened her front door that she remembered what waited for her. 
23 cats that were very much alive, dirty, and hungry, and one large woman with a list of exact brands she wanted purchased at the Mary Market. What could Nix do but take the list and walk back down the front steps? She paused among the thick weeds of her yard. Should she tell her mother the truth? In a way, it would be a relief to stop pretending. But then, what about Sarah? What about the musical? Would all Nix's preparations be worthless when Mrs. Wack found out Nix was no longer employed? It would all end tonight if she didn't come up with something quick. She stuck her hands in her near-empty pockets and started toward the store. Maybe if she delayed long enough, something would occur to her. Get your beer and gear, Mrs. Wack called from the front steps. You've still got baths and carpets tonight. Nix raised a hand to acknowledge that she'd heard, but didn't turn around. Her day off, what a joke. She wondered what it would be like to have Ms. Winkle for a mother. Together they could work to make Woods Cross a better town, instead of upping the missing pet statistics. Nix trudged in the direction of the Merry Market. The sun fell lower in the sky, bathing the trees and houses in a fiery orange glow. For one sinister moment, a black cloud settled in Nix's mind. Her few remaining dollars would be enough to buy a box of matches. What other choice did she have? Nix felt a thrill course through her that scared her and filled her with dark amusement. She would end up an arsonist after all. But then her steps faltered. Ms. Winkle's tear-streaked face entered her mind, like the sun breaking through the clouds of her grim resolve. No, Nix said aloud to the trees. She would not be part of the sickness that had crippled the town. No matter how desperate she was, she couldn't do something so selfish and dangerous. Immediately, Nix changed directions and sped up. She needed to get as far from the store as possible before she did something she'd regret. At first, she didn't know where she was headed. Then the path began to look familiar. Once conscious thought caught up with her flight impulse, she realized she was on her way up to the graveyard, her spot to watch and think. Thinking was exactly what she needed to do right now. She had to figure out a way to win her freedom without resorting to criminal behavior. Although the cemetery only lay partway up the hill, it seemed cooler than the rest of the town. It surprised Nix how welcoming the empty rows of tombstones felt. She thought she might not be as fond of the place since her lonely night in the grave, but it still seemed more like home than her trailer. Had it really only been a week ago that she'd been trapped in the muddy hole? The graveyard appeared empty, but she moved soundlessly by habit. Nix paused when she reached the spot where she'd been confronted by Loaf and Danny. A smooth pile of red dirt lay where the gaping pit had been, but a headstone had not yet been erected to identify the body. The thought that the buried person would never leave that tiny plot of earth made Nix sad. She knew what it felt like to be stuck there, alone. But that wasn't stupid, was it? Whoever was under all that dirt didn't even know it. The real them had to be somewhere else. But where? Heaven? Ferns rustled. Nix jerked her head toward the sound. All was quiet. Then, something jumped out at her. Mm -hmm.